Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 25 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. I've only been doing these for about three weeks now, but we have had a crazy number of them. I've been just keeping up with the amount of guests that want to book in, and I've been having a lot of fun. Now, today is a very special episode. If you've been watching, usually I dive into people's stories of struggle to success and what drives their hunger for the hustle. Usually those people have a business or they're an entrepreneur. The lady I have on today doesn't have a business and is not an entrepreneur. But the reason I brought my mother on Susan Fowler is because she has read more books than a fair-sized library. I calculate uh, three, well, we'll get into numbers in a minute, but I'll introduce my mother. This, there's a quote by Abraham Lincoln that resonates with me when I think of my mother, and that is, all I am and all I hope to be, I owe to my mother. That was said by Abraham Lincoln. So without further ado, I welcome to the show the most important woman in my life and the reason I actually exist, Susan Fowler. Susan, how are you today? Hello, I'm fine. I've got to stop calling you Susan now. It's just going to be mum from now on. Because yeah. <laughs> no need, there's no need to be so official. No. All right, so it's what time is it? It's 10 o'clock there in England. It is just gone 8 o'clock here in Melbourne. Now, Mom, let's talk about books. One of your favourite hobbies, isn't it, really? Yes. Yeah. I am the library. Pardon? I am the library. Yes, the library. Well, we'll talk about that one week. I... From quite a young age, I used to call my mom the walking encyclopedia, and I still do now, actually, because she was such a, such a fountain of knowledge that when I was a child, I would just ask my mom something, and she would almost all, almost always have the answer. I don't know if it was the correct answer or not, but you had an answer prepared, and that's, that's probably the good thing. So, I mean, tell us, do you remember the first book you ever read? I remember the first book that was read to me, which was a great big picture book of Snow White. And I can remember that when when my parents, whoever it was reading, I think it's probably my dad, when he got to the page of the witch, he had to miss that page because I was scared of the witch. <laughs> now, the first book I remember having read to me, um, and then I remember going to school and thinking, wow, reading books. So. Back at the time that I went to school, you didn't have reading books sent home. I don't think there was enough to go around. But I was told by my parents that I used to sit in the car going through the pages and I'd sort of remember what was on the page. So I'd go turn the page, although the book wasn't there. So, I think, <laughs> so I'd have been like five then. So I'd sit in the car and go, um, da -da -da -da, the, the tree was green, turn the page. Oh, um, right. So, you, so you'd recite the book as if you still had it in your hands? Almost, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously I can't do that now, so read a bit, bit, bit deeper books. But, yeah, that's where it started. Yeah. And then, and then how many books would you say from the age of five do you generally read a week? Um, two or three. Two Sometimes or three. I, I think, I don't, I don't know what our audience will think about that. Guys... Put, put your feedback here in the comments, please. But to me, that is amazing. Two to three books a week. It takes me probably, I probably read, if I'm if I'm really going at it, I read maybe two a month. 
and that's probably being kind. It's more like one a month. I just think it's a it's a sterling effort. I mean, I I did quickly the numbers on that, and uh, without without revealing your true age, but let's let's say let's be fair and say you've been reading three books a week for fifty years. That's over fifteen thousand books, which is only over. <laughs> generous. That's over well over fifteen thousand books, and well over half a billion words, and that's not even counting things like. Newspapers, which of course you read regularly, mm -hmm. it's 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 an awful awful lot of books. It's just I, it just astounds me, which is the exact reason that I brought you on the show. So, I mean, do you have a favourite book, like a go-to book that you've read again and again that you almost know off by heart? Probably the favourite book that I've ever read, sort of throughout my lifetime, that I could pick up and read again tomorrow is Alice in Wonderland. Ah, that's interesting. It's, it's just so magical. Hmm. And that, uh, that leads to, yeah, sorry, go on. It's just, it's such fun. And the, the, the older you get and the more you read it, the more you can read into characters. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Alice in Wonderland, isn't it? Because it's one yeah. of those Disney, which is the same with a lot. I mean, it, I mean, I kind of digress there because it, it was made into a film, wasn't it? But it's one of those books that's written for children, but of course it appeals to adults as well because there's some themes in there that you can, and as you've just highlighted, when you're reading it as an adult as opposed to a child, you can see it from a different perception and pick up on different things. Very much, yeah. And, and that's the case for a lot of Disney books, weren't they? They weren't originally written by Disney, but they were turned then into films. Yes, um, and Alice in Wonderland, it was first made into a film um, like the old-fashioned Disney film, which I, I did have a copy of on video. And then when you and your younger sister were children, it came out again in a new version. And then now they made the next version, which had um, like real-life characters in it. Yeah. So it's the same story, but retold with a slightly more wacky way. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's a fascinating book because when you read it as a child, you just read it as is, and you just think, "Oh, these are strange characters, like a cat that smiles." But when you when you get a bit older, sort of adult, you realise that the cat's more of a character that's like a bit sly. Yeah, you do. Sorry. Very imaginative story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and before we go any further, actually, I've got to say a big thanks to Jade for actually setting this up technically today. Um, Jade's my younger sister, and um, she set this all up for us because I don't think it would have happened if it was left to you, would it, Mark? I can read books. I can't work a computer. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, but that's interesting, though, because you've started reading books on a different format, haven't you, recently? Yes, yes. Um, and, and really, that's been a bit of a saviour through the pandemic, hasn't it? Because the libraries have been closed. Yes, yes. Near, now, what, what format have you been using to read, to read uh, I've books? Been, I've got a Kindle, which actually you bought me, I think, or Jay bought me. I can't remember who bought it for me. And I must admit, when I first got it, I thought, oh, here we go, a bit tech. Uh, <laughs> but somebody showed me how to use it. And um, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I love it. Yeah, it's good old-fashioned old book that you can hold in your hands, but no, I actually really enjoy reading it on the Kindle. 
Yeah. I mean, I haven't had a Kindle, so I don't know how it works. Do you just kind of, do you have to buy, do you buy books on the next day on there or do you rent them? Or? or if you're like me, you just put type in books for free because I'm still sort of like learning. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you just find these books for free and you you know you read through the list of what you can read and there's all sorts of genres on there there's, there's something to read and i just pick a book and you tap it and then it comes up on the screen so so it's there and you can make it into bigger writing or smaller writing depending mm. on you know how big you want it to be and then when you finish a page you just tap and it goes to the next page no that sounds very easy and 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 it's like, um, um, I mean, another question I've got, and some of those questions are going to be the questions that I've given you, Mom, and then some of them aren't because they're just going to lead to other things, aren't they, of course? Yeah. But, I mean, do you use, I tend to use, I can't use books as a tool. If there's something I want to learn, particularly, as you know, like I spend a lot of time working on myself and improving myself or at least trying to. Um, and then I use books to kind of learn things in that regard and to help me, um, you know, improve on certain things in my life. And then I also use books when I'm going to bed at night because if I'm in bed with a book, I get through maybe two or three pages and I'm, then I'm just fast asleep, I'm gone. So do you, use, do you use books for any of them same purposes or any different ones? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, at different times in my life and depending on my time. I remember once I'm... The first time I went to Bali, and I didn't really know an awful lot about their religion until I got there, and I noticed that part of that they're they're the only Indonesian island that's actually Hindu, um, and I remember asking my daughter why they left these um, little saucers outside your door. And it's just part of their religion, so I decided then to read a book about Hinduism. Yeah. Which up until then it hadn't captured my interest, but being in a country that actually practiced the religion on a big theme, like like in Bali, if if you've got um anything bigger than I don't know, if you've got a stone outside your house, then it becomes religious significance. They wrap a sort of checked cloth around it and it can become a shrine because right. they're small country. So I just learned all about their religion and um if if I was if I lived in Indonesia, I'd have to live in Bali and be a Hindu. Yeah. It's just it's just a religion based on joy. So oh, yes, yeah. I do. So yeah, you use it for the same purpose as me, and probably a lot of people do. You know, it's a tool to learn about things, learn about people. Do you read? I'm talking about books that learn about people. Have you read many autobiographies, and do you enjoy reading those? Um. Maybe perhaps more when I was younger, I used to read autobiographies. Um, now I tend to stick more with, I read a lot of books, fiction books, and I, le I read, as you know, my love of ceramics. I, I read a lot of books about ceramics. And I read, <laughs> I read books about countries because okay. I have a family of traveling people. So if they're in a country that I don't think I know much about, I'll check up about it. So I know everything about Australia now. <laughs> you probably know more. You probably know more than me. I've not not read any books on the place. I just choose to live here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lucky you. 
So you've covered that. So how long does it take you to read a book? And obviously that's quite an open question depending on the size of the book. But let's say maybe a kind of 500-page book, the average kind of like a middle, middle, medium to large size book. Probably a couple of days, but it, it, it's sort of relative to how much time I I choose to spend. I mean, I don't work anymore, but that doesn't mean I can just always sit down and read a book. Um, mm. you, I, you can multitask when you're reading a book, but in a way, like you could read a book and watch television, but you can't, well, I don't know, you can't really take them both in at the same time. You can't read a book and drive. You can't, you can... You can read a book and walk, but of course you've got to watch where yeah. you walk. Yeah, you'd be pushing it driving, wouldn't you? <laughs> driving and reading a book, but that's yeah. you'd probably be pushing it there. And uh, just if anyone's watching, don't ever try and do that. That's not a good idea. Um, but I think I mean audio books are good in the for the car. A lot of people call audio. it now university, yeah. don't they? Yes, and now I've never read an audio book because I've always read. <laughs> so it's not quite the same as reading is it it's more no. it's not really it's, it's kind of reading for while you're on the go isn't it i suppose yes which is a good idea if you feel like you haven't got the time to sit with a book hmm. because one thing about reading is like there's your book you've got to you can't really like be going like this can you and read a book you've got to put a book down or hold it like this mm. Mm. well i started listening to a few audio books on audible recently and what i found was interesting was that i mean the book can be i was i was listening to a book by a, a man called gary vaynerchuk and he was talking about marketing and of course marketing is particularly online is something that always changes and evolves so he'd written the book in, I think it was 2018, but then he'd drop in with notes and say, hey, look, it's 2020 now, this has changed. So you can kind of, the book becomes more malleable in its audio format instead of just its kind of rigid text format. So I think that's, yeah, uh, it, it's a bit more dynamic when you when you put it into audio and it just helps you to be able to listen while you're on the go. Yeah, you can't beat a good sorry sorry to cut across you but you can't beat a good old-fashioned paper book can you no. No. i even i even like and tell me tell me if you resonate with this sometimes books have a certain smell to them which i quite enjoy oh yeah when i was a child i used to go into the bookshops and smell the books still do actually sometimes smell of new books yeah, so if, um, maybe that'll be something that you'll enjoy doing when the library's open again. So if you, if you know if, you're in, if you happen to be if you happen to be in certain coalfield folks and you and you and you catch um, my mom Susan sniffing the books, then you'll know why. You'll know why. <laughs> yeah, the problem in the library is that they're not new books. Well, but some but of them. Sometimes the old ones smell. They have that, that 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 nice kind of musty smell to them. The old ones I oh, always enjoy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But because the library that I go to has been closed for so long now, like where are we? We're now in October. It's been closed since March. Wow. I should think the books will be going into decay by now because I'm not there to choose them. <laughs> uh, well, that's right. And it kind of, it kind of leads to uh, my next question that's like, I mean, how long does it take you? Let's say you're there, you're in the library, you're looking through mm -hmm. some books. You look at the front, you look at the back, maybe you look at a couple of pages. How long does it take you 
Uh, how quickly can you identify a good book from a bad one or, or one that I suppose is going to appeal to you as opposed to, no, this is going to be something that I wouldn't enjoy? Right. First of all, certainly not by its cover. The saying, don't judge a book by its cover, that is very really? true. Um, you could pick up a book that you think, oh, I'm going to like this book because it's uh, about people. I like books about people. Mm. Um, but even if you just read the sort of bit on the back or in the, in the front, you know, front page, it sort of tells you what it's going to be about. Mm. It doesn't tell you in that if it's going to be the sort of book that I don't like reading where you've got loads and loads of direct dialogue. Right, okay, yeah, I don't like right. books here. I don't like those books at all. Um, so I'll sort of know what sort of book I'm looking for. Most of the books that I choose to read, I prefer books that aren't set in the present day. I prefer books from the past. I don't mind if they're set in the present day, if they've got some history to them. Hmm. But I don't want to read about... Um, a bunch of girls going out shopping or something like that, um, yeah. you know, and what they're saying to each other. So I pick up a book and I probably look through the first couple of pages or maybe the first page even and think, well, yeah, there'll be something about it that appeals to me, probably the fact that people don't talk to each other too directly too often. Hmm. And um, maybe that I think I'm going to remember the names. Yeah, if, you get to, if you get to page five, if you read the first chapter of a book and then you put it down and then when you pick it up again, you can't actually even remember characters in it. You're wasting your time. You're true. You, yeah, very good way to analyse a book yeah, in, in a quick form, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you can't even remember that the main character's called Sarah and she knows somebody called Mary. If you're thinking to yourself, well, who are these people? Well, you've lost the plot, haven't you? So mm. it's not a book that you're remembering yeah that's a good point and how many times have you i don't know you've done this because you've told this before and i find it quite funny i think i've even been with you been with you on holiday <clears throat> somewhere where it's happened where you you're reading a book and you get maybe a third or two thirds of the way in and you're like wait a minute i've read this before oh yes well this comes with that <laughs> um yeah yeah i have actually done that now, I don't know if that's a sign of either getting old and decrepit and losing my memory or that I'm reading a book that I've read before and it's so good. And then I get halfway through and I have done this more often on holiday because before I had my Kindle, I take what I call my holiday books with me. So I probably only take two books. So I sort of, uh, not so much nowadays, because in the last 10 years or so, you go somewhere and they always have like a book swap. You're in a hotel yeah. reception, and I love them. That's just, it's made my day. If I go somewhere and there's a book swap, so you leave your book and take another, well, job job done, because I haven't got yeah. to worry about the book I've already read. But we're talking about when you were a little bit younger. And yeah, that has happened to me. And now I've suddenly remembered, oh no, I know how this book ends. <laughs> did you finish it or did you just stop? Um, probably probably just stopped because I could just remember then exactly what was going to happen. So I was like, no, move on, move on to the next book. So, no. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I suppose. There's no point reading it twice. 
Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of those little book swap things. It's something I've seen a lot of in particular in the pandemic, you know, people just putting a little box outside the house and going, help yourself, take one, leave one. You see them, um, I've never really seen them in the, I've, I'm not saying I've never seen them in the UK, but I've not seen them on the scale that they are here in Australia. They'll have like, almost looks like a really small garden shed with a clear window on the front and they have them outside schools yeah. and you can just swap books. That's the first place I came across one. I was mm. in Sydney, Australia, and there was a coffee shop. But when I went in the coffee shop, it had like a coffee shop, but then it had a bit at the back and there was a bookshelf. Well, I was away, but there was a bookshelf. <laughs> and, um, your sister said to me, oh, yeah, you can sit in here and read. I was like, wow. So I did. I sat in there and read, and that was the first time I'd ever, I think it might maybe it started in Australia, I don't know, where you could sit there, have a coffee, and just read. There was people reading papers, there was people, you could take the books, I'm not sure you could buy them, maybe you could buy them, or you could just swap with them. Yeah. And because I was in Sydney, which is probably quite, um, a lot of people who went there were like me, they were visiting. You'd find books that were just from all different places, the type of books I've never even seen before. Yeah. Uh, quite a few books about religions and just every sort. If you can imagine how many people might have come through that cafe in Sydney and left their book and swapped it. And I was quite fascinated by it. Yeah. Interesting. Sydney's such a melting pot, as, as Melbourne is where I live, of different cultures. So, of course, yeah. you're going to be seeing books there that, you know, you perhaps wouldn't even, A, know existed, B, would pick up, C, would um, typically read. But, you know, it's a good way, it's a good way those book swaps of, of really getting into books that you wouldn't usually read because you're in probably a place, particularly if you're far from home, you know, you're in a place that only has a limited selection, you know you like yeah. reading, so you're te well you're you're really forced into a situation where you pick a book that you would never usually never usually read so yeah do you remember the first time you're in st kilda and i said to you what's that building you told me it was a library you never see me move so quick have you yeah no you were off weren't you yeah you, you were off you go. go and join the library that was funny you go over there and i'm like i want to join the library and it's like um, 20 questions yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, we must talk about about that and our little uh, our little joke we have about the the people who work at the library. Yeah. You've got you've usually got. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. You'll have probably a lady called Janet and perhaps a, a lady called Julie who works at the library. There's always a Julie. No matter where you go, there's always a Julie. And, 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 you know, sometimes you go there, right, you've got to have your library card. This is essential. It's like driving without your license, you know. But sometimes you get there and you forget your card. And, it, and it's like, you know, you go up to the desk a little bit, a little bit tentatively and you're like, oh, yes, hello, um, here, here's my books to return and I'd like to hire these, but I don't have my card with me. And they're like, sorry, you haven't got your card? Julie, she hasn't got a card. And it's like, oh, all, all hell breaks loose then, doesn't it? It's like, you know, oh, you haven't got your card. You'll, you'll have to leave your name and your address and, 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 you know, perhaps your passport because, oh, you know, if you haven't got your card, how do we know you're going to bring them back? You just, it, that's what, it, they're a bit, very, get very protective, and they're quite rightly so, it's their job, but they do get very protective over the books, don't they? The oh, 
I think I think most people who go to the library where I live, you've got your library card with you. So if you yeah. haven't, it's like red flag, red flag. This lady's oh. coming. Something major to do. And, yeah. and you know, if you if you can't if you can't find your library card, then you can have a temporary one. But they're still going to ask you for your bank details and your name and your address and your phone number because yeah. it, it's quite a. I mean, it isn't a serious job being working in a library. Well, I, think, I think the people who work in the library would probably argue it is. <laughs> yeah, but they're amongst books all day. I mean, wow. I actually worked in a library for. A, I was remembering this this morning. Really? I don't know how I got the job. It wasn't a job. It was. When I was at junior school, I, I, I don't know why. It certainly wasn't anything to do with work experience. I think I probably nagged my parents that I wanted to work in the library. And somehow or other, I ended up going and oh, working. I didn't get paid. I was only about 10 years old. I spent the afternoon in the library being shown how it all worked. Whether I was doing a project at school about it. Uh, I don't know. But then when I was younger than that, me and my elder sister did sit down and make every book in our own house into a library. Oh, so really? years, later, years later, we used to call them, um, if, if we decided it was in my library, it would be SI, because that was our initials. And if it was in her library, it would be II. And we'd come along books years later, including all the books my mum and dad had, which was quite a lot. And we'd come along to them and they'd, go, they'd have II 107 in them. And we yeah. know that because it belonged in our library. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. You indexed your own library. Uh, that's interesting that, you know, and, and you know, I'm going to talk about a thing called paradigms here, which I know I've been talking to you about. Lately, and, and you know, you get an understand. A paradigm is essentially a series of habits or behaviours that you have had, usually for quite a long time. And a lot of them, they're they're programmed into us genetically. You know, when we're when we're when we're born or conceived in the world, and then a lot of them are environmental, and they come to us later for for a number of reasons. But I mean, it would seem to me that, and it's a good, it's a great positive habit, and and what you may say is a paradigm, like the hunger to read and to always expand your knowledge and expand your vocabulary and learn about different things, or just to get a bit of escapism from a book. But I mean, do you think that's something that you got from from your parents, from from Papa and, and Gaga? I, I think it did, because right back to the age of, Five, which most of my early memories start from then. I would know every Saturday morning we went to the library. And we always, I can't especially remember where me and my sisters would have kept our books, but mum and dad always had their books by their bed, on their bedside. Each side of the bed you'd have dad's pile of books and mum's pile of books. Mm. Um, so books were always around me. Plus, plus we did have quite a few books in the house as well. Um, that yeah. I think they bought. So it was it was that Saturday morning you go to the library. So we mm. go to the library, we've got to choose our own books. And as long as I remember right until the time I grew up and even now, I I have always been going to libraries. I used to take all of you, you children when you were little, to the library. Yep. The story. Yeah. When you were three, I thought, right, story time, here we go. And then I'd get you all a library ticket, and I'd do much the same with you. Yeah, 
Yeah, I remember we used to go to the library a lot. That, that little one in May Green that's not there anymore, is it? Like they moved it and built a much bigger one. But I uh, remember that. And, and we were talking about this recently, weren't we? That, you know, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, that, that habit of reading books wasn't quite passed on to me, was it, at a young age? No, no, no. You, you were too busy climbing trees or asking questions. You, sitting still is... It's a bit tricky, or was a bit tricky for you. Um, I used to read to you, um, but it got to the point where you wanted to read books like Harry Potter, but you wanted me to read them to you. And mm. they're not my type of books. Yeah. Uh, your elder sister always read books. You and your younger sister, not so much. Um, I don't know why. Really? I think perhaps you and your younger sister watch more films. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the age me and Jay were, that it was particularly a time when, like, Disney was just going crazy, wasn't it? It was, it was film after film after film, and yeah. they were all big hits, you know, like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, yeah. Jungle Book. They were all, like, early, mid-90s when we were just small kids, yeah. and, and yeah. that was really... Yeah, it's interesting that, that that probably changed for quite a lot of children my age, yeah, that time. So instead of buying your books, it would be like you'd get the latest Disney film, which strange, I was discussing with my younger sister, Wendy, the other day, and we were saying, what a rip-off, we have to pay £30, which was a lot of money back then. £30, it's £29.99 for the latest Disney release. And you had to do actually buy it or to rent it? No, buy it, to buy it. You know, I've, got, yeah. I've still got them all in a box under the stairs somewhere, all the yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they were so expensive. So I think the fact that they cost you so much money, it's like you will sit there and watch this loads of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get every last penny out of it, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Now, so, my next question, and it's, a, it's an interesting one, and I know this is going to lead to, to, to a project that we're, we're going to be working on, but have you ever thought about writing your own book? Yes, I have. Um, as you know, in my house, I have what's called, well, it's called the Zen Room now, but it's really it's the book of the, the room of quotes, isn't it? It is, yeah, exactly right. And um, I mean, can I can I paint the paint the picture there of what this room oh, looks you like? Can. You can. This room did at one time used to be my bedroom, and I moved out of, of Mom's house when I was twenty one years old, and, and I, I never found my way back, which is I mean, quite, quite a good thing, really. <laughs> um, and my room, I mean, pretty much the day I moved out, it became an office slash wardrobe, which I found a bit unusual. As, as my mum didn't work at that time, but apparently it was to have an office in the house, of course. And, uh, you know, it became, I mean, I definitely wasn't coming back, put it that way, because the room was the room was no longer. And then the room, is got, it's got a lot, it's, it, there's a lot going on in there, isn't there? It, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a brick, brick and brack store of all manner of things. But the, the main thing you really see is plastered along all the walls everywhere is small snippets and quotes that you've either cut out of something, whether it be the newspaper, a book, or, you know, a daily journal. And then it's got a huge map on the wall with pins of where we've, I think, is it where just you've been or where everyone's been? Yeah, where everyone's been. 
where everyone's been. So, I mean, we, we travel quite a bit, don't we? So, or well, we used to when we were able to, particularly Laura. Laura lived, you know, my older sister, your oldest daughter's lived all around the world. Um, you know, I couldn't even count the number of countries, but she's the one who kind of started and certainly got me into it. But I digress. But there's stuff everywhere in this room, and there's, you know, pictures of the family, and it's, it's really, and I'll often, often get, you know, a photo from one of these quotes on the wall, which is, I think probably how I got into loving quotes so much. And I, I do really like to try and love and learn as many quotes as I can. But yeah, so that's that's what this room looks like, isn't it? So please yeah. do go on. Yeah. Um, I was sitting there the other day, actually. I was I was on a fairly important-ish phone call and I sat in my armchair in there. And although the phone call is important, the people were being a bit jobs worth, you know, a bit like over the top about it. So I'm just They're sitting there. in the library. Um, well, they might as well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Something like that. And I'm sitting there, I'm just looking around, I'm looking at pictures of you, right? And then I'm looking at baby pictures. And not, I don't have to move my head because they're sort of everywhere. And I'm just looking at these quotes and, and thinking. Because it's just so. Um, I've learned a lot from those quotes. You can't, you can't sit in my Zen room and be um, uneducated, can you? Mm, it's been in a in a nice way. Yeah. Uh, pointing out not how to live, but just nice things. Yeah. yeah. I've got so many of them. One day I'll have to. One day I'll have to uh, maybe count them. But where would you start, really? Oh, there's, there's hundreds, isn't there? But I mean, but how how does that tie into? Maybe you were thinking of doing some writing yourself or. Um, yeah. I think I started collecting the quotes. I think originally it was probably from a, from newspaper cuttings. Mm. I think I found something that resonated for some in something that had happened in my life. Maybe it might have been a happy thing, or it might have been a sad thing. And I just think, oh, that's a good way of thinking about that. It should be like a positive way of thinking about it. So I cut it out and I put it on that wall, and then. It was calendars that I got that had a daily quote, which I still have. Um, then it maybe was sometimes to, became magazines, just anything, anything I could get hold of. If something, if I was able to cut it out, I still do. I, yeah. I cut out something from last week's magazine only because I like the colour of it. Yeah, it was just a nice colour. Um, but if I if I spend a lot of time in that room and and look around. I think the main theme of the quotes is not to take anything too seriously. Hmm. Or even if something is really pretty awful, to try and find a sort of positive side to it. So I think hmm. I, I, I'd like to write a book to try, try and help people. It would probably be called something along the lines of the craziness of life or... Hmm. Life can be crazy. No, mm, it often is every day. I just think that, or it might even be called a wall of quotes, but there might already be a book called that. Doesn't mean you can't write one. People write books about books. Well, no, no. Um, you know, as your grandfather said, people are different. Don't be disappointed. I haven't found that in a real quote yet. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. 
So, I, I mean, we've we've kind of toyed with the idea and we've kind of said that we, me and you are going to write a book, aren't we? And we, we kind of just, it's, it's a brainstorm idea, but it's an idea that's out there in the universe and it will manifest and we're going to have a lot of fun doing that, I'm sure. Yeah, I think so. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I, I can tell, I can kind of reveal to the audience here, and this is the first time that I've done this on, on the podcast, that there is going to be a book, The Hunger for the Hustle book. That is really all I can say at the moment. It's going to be a collaborative effort, and it's going to be out. We're aiming to have it out by January next year. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's um, the big reveal on that, but that's going to be a lot of fun. And, and, and again, it's essentially, I can say this, it's going to be a book like, like you said, Mom, that's going to, help other people because you know that's um something i enjoy doing and uh, i know it's something you've enjoyed doing throughout your life and um it's just a great thing to do isn't it help other people why not if you can where you can whenever you can going back to the zen room now mm-hmm. zen room, i'll never forget when you came to to my place in, in australia i live in a fairly small apartment in melbourne and um and you were spending some time on the balcony you always get nice sun in the morning on the balcony and you said I, was, I came back from work one day, and you said, "Jacob, this this balcony is just not it's just not. It needs to be more zen. It needs more zen here. We need Jacob." And I was like, "Well, what do you mean zen?" And you like, "Well, first it needs it needs all cleaned. It all needs cleaned. It all needs cleaned out. And then you know the feng shui needs to be certain things here, certain things there. And we went out on a road trip, didn't we? And we collected like rocks that get smaller as they grow up, and we made like a pyramid of rocks. And now that is my zen zone, and that's my space where." Yeah, I'm where I like to do my meditation and stuff. But I mean, let's speak about the value of, of the Zen Zone and what you've been doing in there. With you know the, the lessons I've been sending you from um, from Les Brown. Well, that's where I do. My, we call him LB, don't we? For sure. Mm. You know, this isn't my LB book, uh, but it's similar to this. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can say. Uh, I, I do the LB, and I just make notes of things that. Not necessarily that he teaches me, although he is a great teacher. It just mm-hmm. helps you focus your mind. So I do that in there, um, and I'm tr- trying to work on things, um, especially at my age, trying new things mm-hmm. or seeing things differently. Um, it's. It sort of teaches you what one lesson I've written down some notes here about. Um, yeah. You've said this to me quite often recently, Jacob. It is possible. It is possible. It is possible. <laughs> it's and that's possible. Sort of, that sort of <laughs> into quotes because I'm sure you pro- probably could somewhere if you were to look hard enough, you could probably find a book on quotes or you could find quotes that are absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. you know, negative quotes if you like. But then what would be the point of having a room full of negativity? It would just be, nah, nah. Yeah, exactly to right. Get, that, that. get in my room, you've got to be positive. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're not, you're going straight out of the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, yeah. there's something to be said, isn't there, I think, for having that space. And it doesn't have to be a, an indoor room. It could be an outdoor space, your garden. But it, it's somewhere that's... It's almost sacred to you and it's your happy place. It's somewhere where you spend time on yourself, somewhere where you get quiet and, you know, you just have a bit of time to think, um, breathing work, meditation. There's a lot to be said for it because that room then, it creates a bit of an aura in that room and when you go into it, it's um, it's soothing, isn't it, really, I think is, is the word. 
You know, that Zenzo room that you've got, model used to be my bedroom 20 years ago. Not 20 years ago. I don't know about that from 15 years ago. Um, it's, it's, it's soothing you go in there and you just know it's a place to relax, doesn't it? It's That's what yeah. that space is for. Yeah, I mean, it, apart from being full of the quotes, it's just full of mm, things I've collected from around the world and things from my own childhood maybe and just things really. But I don't not allow other people to go in there. I don't let my dogs go in there. I mean, <laughs> they're, not <laughs> they're not zen. It's no. just like, there is only one armchair, so it's like, you know. Mm. You know it's uh, I, mean, I mean, that we go, well, that armchair has a story of its own, doesn't it? Do you remember when you bought that? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just tell the story quickly because it's a great one. This armchair, there's a, there's a brand in the UK called Laura Ashley, and it's like, you know, yeah. if you're going to buy something fancy for your home, you go Laura oh, Ashley. Yeah. Cool. Mom decides she's going to buy this chair, Laura Ashley, off the internet. And I'm like, yeah. okay, sounds good. Mom's got a KA at the time, a small car. I said, sounds good. Yeah, do you need some help with it? No, no, fine. I'll get, I'll, I'll get it by myself. No, no worries. I said, okay, fair enough. And then I get a phone call. Hi, Jacob, I'm, I'm here at the services with this um, motorway services with this chair. You're going to have to come and help me. Can't get it in my car. It's hanging out the boots. And I'm just like, oh, you were going to come with you and help you out. I got there and there was more, the chair was more out of the car than it was in the car. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those luggage straps, wasn't it? Yeah, it, was about, it was just about hanging in there. But hey, we got it home and um, and yeah. Uh, You've missed, missed a little bit there. Can I just fill in the gap? Sure, yeah. If you were in a car that was big enough to just sort of like put in, and I think I think part of it was that I'd rather ruined your plan for the day. You sort of strode over to me like, Mum, you're so ridiculous. And you sort of grabbed this chair, which was absolutely huge, and sort of chucked it in your car and, and went, I'll see you later, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> how rude, how rude. I remember thinking, because it wasn't just down the road. It was, I think it was, oh, it was over in, it was a good 60 sort of miles away from home or something ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was a fair way, away, yeah. Having said that, I got my vintage chair, looked as if it had never been used, and it cost me £18. Oh, I mean, that was a few years ago, wasn't it? That was back in the day when you could still get bargains on eBay. Pretty yeah. rare now. Pretty rare to get yeah. stuff like that on eBay anymore. Very much mm. so. Obviously, they don't agree. Yeah, true. I mean, uh, next question. Can you recommend three books that have changed your life? And I'm really intrigued by this because, I mean, 15,000, we said, and that's a low average. That's a really a low average. You'd probably be more in the region of 20,000 books, which is just an insane right. amount. I don't think... I don't think many people read that many books uh, in their in their life, you know. And you've 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 still got many many years left of your life. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what kind what kind of numbers you you do achieve. I reckon it'd be yeah. somewhere up to fifty thousand. But yeah, what are your three three big ones that have really had an impact right. on your life? Right, the first book that I'd say sort of when I say changed my life, it just uh, 
it's just such a lovely book. There's probably lots of people have read it. It's a book by a, um, an author. I don't think he's alive now. It's called Neville Shoot. Uh, it used to be Neville a favourite. Neville Shoot. S H U T E. Okay. Uh, and it was a an author that my dad used to read a lot of books of. And I actually think I thought, oh, they're probably a bit daddish books. And then one time, for some reason, I was in the house, family home on my own, and I didn't, I couldn't find anything to read. I'd, I'd run out of reading material. <laughs> so I thought to myself, no, I'm going to have to go and look at mum and dad's library books and find something, because they'd have them piled up by their bed. And I came across this book by Neville Shute. It's called A Town, Town Called Alice. And I thought, oh, that might be vaguely interesting. And then I remember that my mum had read the book. She mentioned it to me. It was absolutely lovely book. Anyone who hasn't read it should try and read it. It's, it's, it's actually based in Australia, round Alice Springs. So right. called a town like Alice, town called Alice, is actually Alice Springs. It's set around the war. There's nothing particularly, it's just a nice book. It's set around a war where these people lose each other and find each other again. But it's very much about Australia as well. Now, remember that I read this book probably when I was in my 20s, when I had no connection whatsoever to Australia, really. No. Well, I didn't know I did. Not that you and, knew. Yeah. No. And I have read it. I read it again. I've read it again a few times. Um, it's just a lovely story, but it's quite a deep story. So that's my first choice of book. My second one is, um, I, I think they're probably out of print now. They were called um, the White Oak Chronicles. Um, mm. And there was 22 of them, and they were based around a family who were called the White Oaks. That was their name. And they lived in a house called Jalma, which, if you remember, oh, that's where that comes from. Yeah. So the books were called The White Oaks of Jalma. And you basically, I, I don't, when I was sort of 20s, 30s, people didn't really go out and buy books. It was very much you borrowed them from the library. And I remember my mum, of rest her soul, she went and got me the books in sequence because you had to read them in sequence because it was historical. It's right. like about these White Oaks people who lived in Jalma, which I think was somewhere in America. Um, and it was a sort of family history. So there's 22 books in the series. Um, I haven't actually found them again recently, but I bet I probably could on Kindle. They're just a family history. And although it was a, a story, I think it was sort of based a lot on history of America. And because okay. there was so many to read, they were all, I remember they were pink. They were pink, they were hardback books. Um, I, I'm going to read them again, but they were well worth reading. And the third White Oaks Chronicles, did you say? I can't actually, off the top of my head, remember who they're, they're written by. I think it might be an Italian writer. I just can't quite remember the name, but they're called the White Oaks of Jelna Chronicles. Okay. Yeah, okay. The people are called the White Oaks, and where they lived was called Jelma. 
Absolutely. Sound very posh, the White Oaks. I think they probably were posh uh, people. Yes. Mm. And then my third book. Well, I'm going to show my third book. It's the one that you bought. You bought with you. Yeah. Props. Props. I'm not quite impressed. You brought some props. More. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to watch the look on my son's face because the book was the book came before before the collection. Uh, did it really? Oh, God, here we go. Here we go, then. Yeah. I can see that these are meant to be our episodes, but we'll just run for as long as we're still having fun um, because we're going to get into this now and it's going to definitely take longer than the 12 minutes we have left. Dachshunds. Dachshunds. I mean, I'm not even sure how you pronounce it properly. Some people say Dachshunds, don't they? Dachshunds. Um, well, they're... they're, they're, they're they're from Germany, so I suppose it's Dachshunds. Dachshunds. Dachshund. Yeah, it makes it sound like some kind of car. Dachshund. If you've got more than one, you call them Daxes. Daxes, don't you? Yes, that's what people call them who are, who are in the know. In the circle. Yeah, yeah. And you're actually, you're actually in a circle of people that have these dogs, aren't you? There's like oh, a yeah. big community of people and they all take them out. Um, you can find them probably worldwide now, but yes, there's West Midlands Dash House Society, and you can walk with them and talk with them and find out lots. But yeah. back in back in the year would have been about 2000, 2005. So we're talking year left school. Perhaps maybe a little bit more than that. Mm. Uh, children were growing up and I started to think for some reason when we were younger when you were younger it wasn't I, I didn't think it was right to have a dog I had three children and a dog would have just been like a fourth child I was right on that one so but when you started to get a bit older and I thought hmm, I think I might have a dog and I thought what kind of dog can I have my sisters had dogs but they tended to have big dogs and I thought no I just want a little dog. And then I remembered a friend of mine back, well, no, going back before then, I remembered a neighbour who lived down the road when I was about seven who had a Dachshund and she had puppies. And I can remember thinking, I want one of them, but we weren't allowed to have one because my mum thought they were snappy little dogs. So we weren't Well, you just got right. And then in the seventies, when I was a teenager, I um, I had I knew a family that had dash hounds, and I remember back in the seventies they were quite fashionable. Fat and fashionable is the wrong word. Popular, they were popular yes. back in the seventies, and then for various reasons, which I probably do know now, they sort of fell out of fashion favour, um, and then. I blame myself, although I'm sure it wasn't just me, that somebody started a trend again for them. So I thought to myself, right, if I'm going to get a dash hound, I need to know a bit about them. So I bought this book, the owner's book. Encyclopedia. And it's just, you know, tells you everything you need to know about dash hounds. Point of reference and... Um... No. Uh, you asked about a book that changed my life. It certainly changed my life. <laughs> yeah, well, you've only had a few dash hands, haven't you? Um, I've had five dash hands. Yeah, five, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I only now have two dash hands. 
Um, yeah. To anybody who's got dash hounds, they will know. I mean, this book says on the front cover, dash hounds, history, characteristics, temperament. Nowhere in this book does it probably tell you really the temperament of dash hounds. If you're going to have a dash hound, be prepared to decorate your house lots. Oh, yeah. They'll chew uh, anything. They chew. No doubt there's somebody out there who's got one that sits with its arms folded reading books all the time, but mine don't. <laughs> with a pipe and some slippers. Well, I, 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 this is my kind of, you know, the, like you say, it's probably, what was it, 2005 when we got the first one? Yeah. 2006. Pardon? No, 2005. We got Katie. Yeah, so the year I left school, we got Katie in. And what a great dog she is. God, God rest her soul. Probably the best dog I ever had the fortune of ever meeting. She was just no hassle, super chilled. Um, which very rare for a dash hound. She actually did what you asked her to do. And that's kind of my summary of a dash hound. They, they understand what you're saying. They're prepared to listen to you, but they've got no interest at all in doing what you're asking them to do. Yes, yes. Pretty Katie, much that, I'm not sure. Katie actually thought she was a person. She acted mm, like it. She yes, didn't she did. think that. Um, dogs can only react, supposedly, to what is actually happening at any set time. But I actually sat and used to watch that dog and could work out that she was thinking forward what would happen if she did something. Right. Which, she was super um, smart. She was super smart. Yeah. And, she, and she was, yeah. I mean, she was, um, you thought you were getting a long-haired one, because let's, let's explain to the audience. What? You get three different types of dash houses. I think it's three different types. You get short-haired, yeah. long-haired, and then you get some that are kind of in between, which are a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, you, you get long-haired, smooth-haired. Smooth We're talking about hounds because there is mm. a standard, which is bigger, or wire-haired. They're the three coat types you can get. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, and we bought you bought Katie thinking she was going to be a long-haired, and quite frankly, good yeah. job she wasn't. That's what I went out but to she, buy. But she wasn't. She was what? She was wiry, wasn't she? She was kind of a mixture. Well, I bought her. She was my first dash hound I got, and she was sold to me as a long-haired dash hound. Um, I'd seen the parents, or the parents who I was told were the parents, and they were both long-haired dash hounds. Um, and then I just waited for her hair to grow, really. <laughs> Which never did. <laughs> well, she, had a little, she had a little yeah, tuft on the top of her. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. That's right, a Mohican going on. Um, mm. And then I, when she got to about six, nine months, and I'd see other people with long-haired dash hounds in the park, and I'd think, oh, well, no, you know, what's going on? So I got back in touch with the breeder, and she was a little bit iffy. She sort of suggested to me that possibly she might be a long hair cross with a wire hair, which is what mm. she was. I mean, her mother was long-haired, yeah. but her father was clearly a wire-haired. But it was probably yeah. a better disguise. Well, I think so, because she had a fantastic temperament, didn't she? I mean, let's be honest, out of, out of the five you've had, she certainly had the best temperament. Her yeah. closely followed by, by Lola, who's, a, who's an absolute chiller as well, like a real chilled dog. But, I mean, yeah. I, I think, and I don't know what you think about this, that I tend to find 
you know, I've never owned any of my own dogs, but we've really always been around them, always had them when we were growing up. The, the ones, the pedigrees, they're always very highly strung. They always yeah. have a bit of an attitude. They never really do what you like them to do. Whereas um, ones that are, uh, I mean, not mongrel would be the wrong word, wouldn't it? I'm not quite sure, but the mixed breeds, mm -hmm. they tend yeah. to be just a bit more chilled and not as highly strung and a bit more go with the flow. Yeah, because yeah, within the dash hound breed, like you've got the long head, the smooth head and the wire head. And mm. the wire head are quite, as a, as a breed within a breed, their temperament is more laid back. The smooth head can be very timid or stubborn. And the long hair just tend to be very scared of things. And also they get quite dirty because of the hair. They need a lot of grooming. So they're very um, about themselves because you sit and groom them so much. So yeah, yeah. A, a long head crossed with a wire head. Mm -hmm. And all the other dash hands I've had have been smooth haired. Um, yes, some of them, some, some more high maintenance than others. And when I look through the pedigree, the actual pedigrees I have of my dogs, mm. you can sort of almost match up their temperaments to the quality of their pedigree. Now, it depends really what you're buying a dog for. If you're buying a dog for a pedigree because you want to breed it, because you want to show it, then that might make a difference. But I just stumbled across the pedigrees that I have. I didn't particularly choose them for any particular reason. Mm. But particularly Nancy, she had a very high pedigree. She had lots of champions in her pedigree. But gosh, mm. was she was a good dog. Yeah, she was hard work. And she just didn't like other dogs. And oh, she, yeah. um, she nice. said she... She had that kind of gene where she she got put on weight very easily as well, and that that probably didn't pair well with her being a, a bit of a bully to the other dogs and probably eating all their food. Like like some people, she should have been an only child, but she mm. wasn't. Yeah, well, you know, some, some dogs. Well, mix pardon. Some dogs mix better than others. Yes, but you can blame this book. <laughs> It all started with a book. It all started with a book, just like just like a lot of bad and good ideas, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. Not to say that dogs are a bad idea, guys. Dogs are lovely and they're beautiful. And if you're thinking about getting one, you should get one. In fact, I've noticed a lot. There's a big, a big influx of dogs in this time. You know, people buying dogs, and um, and the dashhound trend that you talked about there that got started maybe in. The, Early mid two thousands has just grown and grown and grown and grown, hasn't it? They are the the hip dog to have. They still are today. Yeah. Very much so. Which, mm. which is sadly is also reflected in the price you now have to pay for. Mm. Which, yeah, that's just fine demand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm. Well, we've had lots of fun there talking about books, haven't we? Yes, I'm going to try and find those white oak books. I know they're out of print because I did ask the lady in the library. But she told me, oh, no, she'd been out of print. She would have known. You'll still be able to find them, though. Like, you'll still be able to find them online somewhere. I think I'll, well, I'll have a look on my Kindle. They probably, I'd imagine right. on the Kindle, you could probably find most books. If they're out of print, I don't know. I'm going to look for it anyway. Mm -hmm. All right, these are, now there's going to be some rapid-fire questions here. Just stick with me because these are Ooh. quite weird and random. They can be just yes or no answers, um, but they're, 
they're designed to just kind of um just have a bit of fun really no more than that so do you believe in aliens no do you believe in ghosts yes have you ever seen a ghost yes wow that's interesting what is your favorite animal a dog <laughs> i thought you might say <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your favourite place to go on holiday? Australia. Good answer. Uh, which one shall I pick next? I've got so many here. Mm. If you were stuck on a deserted desert island, what are the three things you would need? Water. A book. <laughs> and a compass. Good answers, all of them very good answers, particularly the compass. Compass, you're the mm, compass. Mm. First person who said that. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna go, yeah, I'm gonna go with the last one. Describe yourself in three words. I know you're wondering what I'm gonna ask you next, are you? You're like, what's he gonna say? <laughs> um, crazy, optimistic. And loyal love it love it great answers okay mom well i think uh that's probably it for this episode but i've had a lot of fun speaking to you obviously as i always do and um i think we'll have you we'll have you back on again perhaps when we've either written our book when you've written yours when the hunger for the hustle book is ready and um and you've had time to maybe read them digest them and have got some more to talk about Oh, I've always got plenty to talk about. <laughs> For sure, so have I. Well, that's, the reason I've probably got plenty to talk about is because you are the same. You know, like we said, paradigms. You you get things from your from your parents. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, look, I just want to say I don't know it's on camera to the world, but I just want to say, Mom, thank you for being my mom. And I know that's a weird thing to say because it's not really a choice you had; it was something you were given. But I just want to say thank you for being all you are because everything that I am, I owe to you so just thank you for being so awesome i really appreciate everything you've always done for me yes what are you going to do with the rest of the day mom i love you too very much um, i'm going to go to ikea oh really yeah, i don't I'm know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i'm not sure i haven't been since lockdown so i'll let you know mm. if you never if never, hear, never hear or see from me again i got lost in ikea <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the thing about IKEA is you never really know whether it's going to be a good or bad thing after you've got home, do you? It's, it's a bit of a gauntlet. Well, I, I know sort of what I'm looking for, but I'll probably come home with something completely different. Mm, mm, well, some sort of gadget that sort of like does something that you never knew you wanted. You bring it home and think, well, why did I buy that? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I won't come out of IKEA empty-handed. Oh, that's for sure. Absolutely right. Mm. So, is it your? Is it your? So it's your night time now. So you're going to bed. Yeah. Right? Quarter past nine. I think I'm going to do a bit of um, bit of bit of my thinking into results training, bit of reading, and then yeah, get a nice early night. All right. And a relaxing day on Sunday. Uh no, I'm going to be working tomorrow. Oh, oh well. But I'll, I'll find some time to relax as well. That's good. That's good, especially in Australia. 
Mm, as summer's coming. Anyway, now we're just waffling. And I'll speak to you soon. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, everyone. Wherever you've been watching, whether you're watching now, live, later, on any of the platforms, thanks for joining us. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Take care, everybody. Bye, Mom. <laughs> <laughs>